The Redneck Tech Podcast is brought to you by Diamondback Covers, the absolute best cover you could ever spend your money on. If you need an insurance policy for all the expensive gear on the back of your truck, then you need a Diamondback cover. Make the bed of your truck a vault with Diamondback. Right here, right here, right here. Yeah. You want it? Yeah. You know what I was thinking the whole intro during that when it was doing your sponsor deal? I don't know what you're thinking because you I'm not have, in your head. You should have you should have uh, tried to limp sync yourself. That would have been weird. It would have been hard. I tried to do it before, and I didn't do it quite right. Oh. But I'll, I'll have to learn the script again, and I'll do it next time. All right. Well, we are back on the Redneck Tech Podcast live on YouTube right now. If you are not watching this live on YouTube, then you can go back and watch it later. If you just prefer to sit and watch us in two chairs talk to one another, you can watch it. That's what this is. That's what this is. If you prefer to listen to this on Apple Podcasts or other places, that's what I do. I generally don't watch podcasts, but we, uh, we're we doing both because cause we have video cameras. <laughs> so we're doing both. Well, it took us, this is our... Is this our fourth try at streaming? I don't know. It's been, we've done a couple. This and week. we fi- we finally figured out how to get our big main video camera to work. Yeah. So for some reason, that was more complicated. It should have been easier. Yeah. It was easy. It just wasn't straightforward. We're not smart. We've never we've never claimed to be smart. But um, we've got several guys on um, watching live. So during this podcast, if you have questions um, while you're on the stream. Feel free to ask, and we're only live on YouTube. For those of you that are wondering, we might end up doing late, some later, but it's complicated enough to do YouTube right now. So, And if you have complaints, please keep them to yourself. We yeah, won't exactly. be addressing those ever. I'm just kidding. So um, essentially what we're doing is we're talking about... It sounded like I was being a jerk right there. I was, that was a, a little, sarcastic comment. A little bit. That was sarcasm. Um, so on this podcast... This is one that's going to hit home and hit a lot of people in the mouth. I know it hits me in the mouth a lot, and I have this conversation way too often. Me and Chuck have talked about this a lot. And um, it's really frustrating, and I don't know how much detail we can get into about what just happened to us. but um, My beard will literally light on fire. Yeah. So this po- <laughs> this podcast was was born out of something that just happened to us. So um, this podcast is going to be episode 94, and we're going to talk about what I'm calling the subtle art of sponsor love. And um, that might... Have you heard of the book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F? Yeah, I've heard of that. I've never read it, but... So this is going to be the opposite of that. (laughs) (laughs) This is, you must give an F. Yes. Okay, so... You must give a flip. So um, how do we... How do I jump into this? Um, I've got lots of notes, but like, there's so many things I want to talk about. So first things first, the way this podcast came about is Ryer and I just did a gigantic project for Bluestem Waterfowl and we shot it, took us a week to shoot it. I did nine days of shooting cause I did two days in the summer. Um, Ryer did seven days of shooting. Uh, Drew Seals was there for five or six of the days. Mm-hmm. Dawson was there for five or six of the days. Really big project, the biggest undertaking that we had ever taken on. Um, it was the project that allowed me to bring Ryer on to help. Um, it was financially what we needed to get us over the top. And uh, we were super happy about it because we spent so much time, so much effort on making it something truly different. And it was. Ryer's essentially edited for a solid month, right? Yeah. On the four episodes. Um, it took us longer than we thought it would, but mm-hmm. the episodes turned out better than we thought they would. Um, the whole plan was to make them as real and as raw as we possibly could within the confines of, you know, making sure we didn't really mess some people up or make some people mad, but they weren't going to be cookie cutter because I didn't want to do a cookie cutter waterfowl show. 
told them I didn't want to, and neither did they. They didn't want to do that either. So we, we make this really special project that turns out way better than we thought it could be. Ryer poured his heart and soul into it for a month. We sent it to a bunch of people who loved it, um, who really got behind it, who couldn't wait to see it go live. And then about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, we got the rug pulled out from under us to where there's some things that happen, things that are said, um, personalities that come out in this project that some of the sponsors didn't like. They thought it was distasteful. They thought that it was not what they signed up for, which none of those things were in the contract, but they thought they just assumed because this was an outdoor project that it wouldn't have some of these things in it. And when I say you wouldn't have some of these things in it, it's like not like we're going over the top with something crazy. Like it was, there was a couple of bad words that we bleeped. There was some, you know, some aggressive, you know, behavior in terms of interviews about like like killing locks of ducks and things like that, that any guide I've ever met has said in some way, shape, or form, better or worse. And um, they didn't think that that was going to be good for their brand and they wanted all those things cut out well as creatives like Ryer and RR it is extremely hard for us once we've put that much time and effort and energy into something to essentially cut out cut the knees out from under the project that we just created that we worked so hard to do and it loses so much by doing that well it's not like you're just it, it it's not that you're just cutting out a word here or cutting out a shot here or replacing a shot, the nature of the things that they wanted cut out were so fundamental to how the piece feels and how those characters feel. And by characters, I say, you know, that's the guides. But um, it those little bits and pieces, while if you look at them, you're like, oh, yeah, just throw that out. But they add up to a feeling, and they add up to a, a a really a larger view of this this lifestyle. And if you get rid of those things, you're basically, to me, you're you're, I guess you're cutting the soul out of the project. You're you're. It's almost like you're just. Though those are the little things that make that lifestyle pop and that make mm-hmm. it what it is. Yeah. And you're like whitewashing it yeah. and when for, you have to cut those things out. And, and so, yeah, for us, that was extremely hard. And I've been down that road before many, many times to where you put a ton of effort and time into something. And then a sponsor says, Hey, well, we need to make sure we do this or, Hey, we can't do that. Or, um, and essentially it, it turns at what was, what was going to be a special project in our opinion, I still think the project is wonderful. I still think it's going to be great, and I think people are going to watch it because it's shot and done so extremely well. But what it could have been, um, it could have been so much more, and it really it's really hard for us as creatives to you know do what we have to do and what Ryan and I are doing, which is do exactly what the sponsor wants, which is essentially make a series that we could have done in half the time for half the money. And um, we would have made more money. We would have had a lot more time to not be behind like we are on everything else right now. But um, so the reason that project isn't out right now is because we have to go through and essentially cut out parts that we really don't want to cut out. Um, it physically pains me yeah, to think and, that, and I, and I, that call, I have to do it. I didn't want to have to make the phone call to Ryer to tell him that that's what we're going to have to do, but that's what we have to do. Um, and uh, I understand it. The Blue Stem guys understand it. Um, it's There's a lot riding on it for them. There's a lot riding on it for us. I mean, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of money. And, uh, we'll, and we'll do exactly what we have to do, and we'll take full responsibility for it. But it's one of those things to where it's still, just because we're taking responsibility for it doesn't make it any easier to do. You know, It doesn't make it any less painful to know that, essentially what's going out is 70% of what it could have been, you know, or, you know, in, in, in our eyes, 30% of what it could have been. We might only be cutting out in the grand scheme of things, 5% of the entire 
project, but that 5% is what gave it its edge, and we're taking its edge away. That's we're the whole dull- personality yeah, of yeah, the we're, piece. Yeah, we're dulling the knife. Um, and uh, it would have rubbed some people the wrong way. Some people wouldn't have liked it, but that was the point. We weren't making it for everybody. Um, I, I disagree with the fact that, and Ryan and I talked about this today, that you've got characters and, and companies out there like Dave Portnoy of Barstool Sports, who's very abrasive, who's doesn't talk nice, who might rub people, rub some people the wrong way, but that's what sells, and people love him. You've got companies like Black Rifle who are going to say and do things that people might not like, um, people might not get behind, but that sells. Um, I think people are tired of everything being PG, PG-13. They want things to be real and raw. Like you said it the best, is like, when are we going to act like people don't say bad words? Yeah, I think people don't. I mean, we don't for this podcast just because it's one of those things to where, you know, people listen to it, and I know we have kids listening to it and kids getting into the business. Um, but it's one of those things where this this podcast needs to be universal, but not all content needs to be universal. Well, I think that it also comes down to not not everything needs to be marketed to 10, 10-year-olds 10 yeah. or suitable for 10-year-olds. I mean, you don't watch – when I go see Deadpool – I I don't have a kid, but if I was gonna if I had a kid and I wanted to go see Deadpool, I wouldn't bring my kid to see Deadpool, but I wouldn't. But you wouldn't, I wouldn't make them not make Deadpool. But you understand but I would go see Deadpool. Yeah, but you understand what Deadpool is. Right. And you understand I shouldn't take a kid to this, you know. Yeah, and, and I also think that <clears throat> to go back to what's selling, I think that people are tired of seeing things on T V that they can't necessarily relate to. Yeah. Characters that don't seem real, characters that don't that aren't somebody that you would run into in real life that yeah. don't act like that because I think everybody knows that with rare exception, everybody cusses a little bit every once in a while yeah. or makes a, maybe an off-color the, joke or, well, and or and says that's something wor- that's abrasive or offensive. Well, and if that's the worst thing that you do, it's like you're doing pretty good. Yeah. You know? But anyway, we said all that to get back to the whole point of the podcast. That is what sparked this podcast because – the number one complaint that that I still get to this day about the reason people aren't watching hunting television anymore is because it's an infomercial. And most of it is an infomercial. But I think the reason... What, so first of all, we need to explain, and this podcast might go way longer than I thought it would, and I might need that charger if it, gets, if it does because this thing's already at 52%. But anyway... I told you he's going to chew through that battery. Um, yeah, it is. Uh, I didn't even bring my freaking charger. I've got one hooked to my computer in the other room. But anyway, um, i got to explain why the hunting industry is the way it is. For some, some of you that are watching might not understand. The hunting industry is a pay-to-play system. It's virtually the only one out there like it. So if you want a hunting show, you can have one if you got the money. You're going to have to pay airtime. You're going to pay roughly $100,000 to $200,000 to either Outdoor Channel Sports or Channel Pursuit Channel. They're going to give you the airtime. They're going to give you that 730 slot on Saturday nights. And once you get that 730 slot, you're going to go get the charger. Once you get that 730 slot on um, Sunday nights, you just paid $100,000 for it. So you're going to get three airings a week or whatever it is. Now what you're going to do is you're going to take that eight minutes of commercial time that you have for your show, and you're going to go sell it. You're going to sell it to Bass Pro Shop. You're going to sell it to Rage Broadheads. You're going to sell it to Muzzy. You're going to sell it to Winchester. You're going to sell it to Hoyt. You're going to sell it to PSC. You're going to sell it to whoever you can sell it to. Um, And the price that you sell that to is up to you. Um, now there's a social media aspect to it. Now there's a numbers aspect to it. And it's not an easy thing to do. But if you want a TV show and you got a lot of money laying around and you don't really need sponsors, have at it. You can have one tomorrow. Um, with that being said, when you sell those sponsor spots or those commercials to those sponsors, those come with a lot of stipulations. What you can do, what you can't do, how many times you get to say a sponsor's name, how often they see a product, you know, 
all these crazy over-the-top things that are what dumbed down these shows. And it's built on the model of NASCAR. Everybody knows NASCAR when they get in the pit row and they're sponsored by Gatorade or Red Bull. They're standing there holding the Gatorade or Red Bull at the end of the, the race. And then they're, um, oh, thank you. Guys, I am currently, hey, it is the same one. You got a charger or a, I got one over here. Okay, sorry. We're plugging in the computer so it doesn't die. So everybody's seen the end of a NASCAR race where they're like, man, I'm so glad this Chevrolet and this Red Bull Energy something, something, something car ran good with this motor and this fuel and this thing. And thank you to GoDaddy.com and this, that. I mean, and they say all that crap because their sponsors pay them to. And they have to do this crazy crap to get the name out there, to make sure it's got the clicks, to make sure it's got this, that, and the other. Well, the hunting industry follows the same model. The hunting industry is five or ten years behind everything out there. Um, and some of these companies have agencies that watch the shows that make sure you say a sponsor name enough times to make sure their product is seen that 47 seconds every episode. And they go through and they have a clipboard and they make sure they're checking off. Did I see my product five times? Did it have this much airtime in the show? Did it do this? I know because I've seen it. We've been audited many times when I was at Sub 7. And when these companies don't make their deliverables, when these shows don't, don't do these deliverables, these companies ask for money back. And it is never a pretty thing when that happens. That is the reason that most of these shows suck. That is the reason that we're getting into this entire conversation of the subtle art of sponsor love. The project that we did with Blue Stem had three or four sponsors that didn't really ask a whole lot, so we got to be really, really creative with it. And now, after the project's done, they're dictating how cool we can make it. So, Which is less cool. Which is less cool. Virtually, <laughs> and, 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 this is, and this was what really made Ryer mad, and I said, Welcome to the outdoor industry, buddy, because that is the truth, is you are a slave to the sponsors. What they want to show, what they don't want to show, how the perception, the personality, everything ends up coming down to them because they're footing the bill, because the whole system is backwards. Whereas, and I'm getting way ahead of myself, but I just feel like I'm on a roll with this, is you have what's called and where... Everything needs to go, but it's so hard in this backwards industry to do this. Now, okay, I'm, no, I'm going to slow down, okay, because now this tide is shifting away from television to where there's web shows, but even more importantly now, it's social media. And everybody knows the social media craze right now. Um, a lot of it has got to do with good-looking girls with less clothes hawking a product, and all that is is to get eyeballs and clicks. And everybody knows that people are watching, but my thing is no one's buying. So that trend is destined to die, hopefully. The other problem, the other thing is, is content is king. And a lot of these shows aren't positioning themselves in a way that's going to continue to get them sponsor dollars, which is you've got to turn your show away from a show into a content creation engine. The show has got to be a byproduct of the content because the content's more important to the sponsor than the show is. Um, you've got to be able to provide them images. You've got to be able to provide them video clips. You've got to be able to provide them B-roll for their next commercial. You've got to be able to provide them a way for them to monetize you outside the scope of the TV show because nobody can believe the numbers coming from a television show. The numbers that are coming from Nielsen, the numbers that are coming from Rintrack, there's ways to make those look good and there's ways to make them look bad. And I don't know anybody that believes those numbers anymore. So you have to add some other value, some other place. The, all these reasons, all these convoluted things I'm talking about, this is why people are leaving television left and right. Um, I don't know a whole lot of people that watch outdoor television anymore. Um, there's some that do. Um, and obviously there's still a market for it because there's still some people that are um, subscribing to these shows and those shows are, some of these shows are still getting paid. And if you're out there and you still watch a lot of them, please tell us you do, which shows you watch and why. Um, but uh, so 
we said all that to say there is a way to do this correctly. There is a way to do the subtle art of sponsor love. Are we guilty of doing exactly what we're saying is the worst thing, you know, what's wrong with the industry? Absolutely. Because we're required to on some of these shows. Um, luckily, with like Spy Point, they don't like a lot of over-the-top, you know, product in your face. They want to be subtle and they want to be, which I'm going to talk about later, perception is reality, which is great. And we only have one sponsor to worry about with that project, so that makes it way easier and lets us really focus on creating the best content. And then we have like the hunting habit with Chuck. We have a couple of small deliverables, but since it's a web show and it's it delivers within a two-week time span, we have a lot more leeway on that too. That's another reason I'm so glad that we don't do a whole lot of TV, which we're about to start doing TV again. So we're going to be jumping right back into this. And then with the Blue Stem Project, we thought we'd run the clear with all this, and then turns out we weren't. But um, I'm getting way ahead of my... I haven't looked at my notes yet. I've just been rambling. Well, I mean, you got the... We're not guilty of this, and we do it because it's asked of us. Well, yeah, I mean... I mean and, and 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 we are guilty of it. I'm so I'm guilty of what we call sponsor whore outs. And that's that's exactly what it is. Is you're blatantly putting a product or a logo or something on the screen to make sure it makes the screen to make sure it makes the show. It gets airtime. Um and I guess part of that's bred into me because if anybody, you know, remembers watching the old Realtree shows and the old you know, the old school, you know, monster bucks and things like that, like working in product spots, you know, working in products and shows. I mean, that's just the name of the game. That's the way you, that's the way you keep sponsors happy. But until we change that, until we create a better and do a better, better job of the subtle art of sponsor love, we're, ne- we're never going to get out of this rut and the outdoor industry is going to die because we're, we don't know how to change and we don't know how to adapt. But, um, This isn't one of the one of the things that bothers me the most about this is when you watch a hunting show and I don't want to name names. I could name names, but I'm not going to. There's one in particular. Um the company in particular that's the worst about this is gonna be your wild game innovations. Um, those type people that they wanna see their product, they wanna hear the name, they wanna Make sure it makes the screen this much time. And there's one show in particular that has two hosts. One of them's pretty good. The other one is really good. Um, they their show loses so much because of the sponsor list that they have because they're they're they have to do so many stupid things in the show to appease their sponsors to pay their bills that they lose so much of their personality in the show. Um, and, it, and it just kills me to watch it. Then you see some of these web shows. They do a better job of not whoring things out in front of you, but they, they'll put sponsor logo bugs in the bottom, hand, bottom right-hand corner. You know, every 30 seconds there'll be another logo bug. The hunting industry is not the only one that does this. I mean, you watch any sporting event mm-hmm. that happens. You watch any Super Bowl. You watch anything... There's there's advertising everywhere. And that's another thing that really frustrates me with people that say this and you tell me if I'm wrong. You know, I've heard this for, you know, going on 10 years now. Well, I don't want to watch hunting shows because it's just an advertisement. Everything you watch is just an advertisement for some, for the most part. Hunting shows might be a little worse, but it's because they have to be. Um, well, I think I think if you watch anything with a critical eye, Especially, like, after I started doing this, I started seeing it. I mean, even you go watch, like, a Marvel movie, and you start to notice, hmm, they're all driving the same brand of car. Oh, that brand of car probably paid a little bit of money to have their car there. Or, oh, they're all drinking Coke products. Yeah. Or, hey, they're doing this. Or, I know shows, um, good example, a show called Chuck that was on the air for a while. It was about to go off the air. And the show creators and everybody was like, hey, this thing's about to go off the air. We need money. And all of the, somehow, 
somehow they the fandom and everything of the show got Subway involved. And Subway was like, hey, we'll sponsor the show. Mm-hmm. And so then every episode past then, past that, they like, they're eating Subway or they reference Subway or anything like that. But the show had to do that in order to stay on the air. Mm-hmm. And the fans were kind of in on it, so they kind of understood. And they would rather have the show with the Subway than no yeah. show. But, yeah. you know, if you look at anything with a critical eye, there things are placed there specifically. Nothing is, especially with a movie or a TV show, things are not accidentally there. Well, it, I, it was put there by somebody. And I agree with you 100%, but the beauty of the way that a network show does it versus a pay-to-play show is mm-hmm. they'll subtly work that in there of, hey, we're, we're drinking this, but we're not going to say, hey, I'm drinking a Coke today. No, they're going to have the Coke on the can. They're going to eat. They're going to drink. They're going to do all their things naturally without making sure. All right, let me make sure that logo is just perfect there. Okay. All right, get a shot of that. Get it. All right, you got a shot of my hand going to this. All right, yeah, right there. Slow motion, slow motion, slow motion. All right, you get the drink. Okay, that is not subtle at all, and that is what hunting shows do. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the difference. Is there are ways to work in products. There are ways to work in segments. There's ways to work in straight up pour outs subtly. Hunting shows, most hunting shows don't do that and are really, really bad at it. And some of it is because they, they're forced well, to be, some they of have forced, to do it like that. Some of it's forced and some of them don't know any better. Yeah. Some of them don't know how to work in product love without, and, and, and a lot of them, and this is the bad, this is the worst one, is the shows that have sponsors of products they don't use or don't believe in, but they have to find a way to shoehorn those things in there. Mm-hmm. You're Caldwell shooting sticks on the middle of a hunt, and you're hauling this huge shooting set with you, and now Chuck's calling me in the middle of this, this huge, you know, shooting sled stick thing in the middle of your hunt. Nobody's doing that. Nobody's bringing that with them, but they have to do it because a sponsor. Mm-hmm. Or they, this is, oh gosh. Oh, that shouldn't have done this podcast. This one's, this is the one that drives me the most crazy. Going to get us in trouble. Yeah, I might. I don't know. <laughs> I hope not. Is television shows have to be a certain amount of time. And we talked about this a little bit ago. Mm-hmm. When, we, when we edit hunting shows, we always edit them long. That way we can cut things out. Hopefully you don't edit them short and have to add to it. But the one thing, the biggest pet peeve I have between television and web is web, you don't have all the fluff. And television, you've got to show people going to eat, shooting their bow, um, sighting in their gun, going to the store to buy their tags, um, meeting with the outfitter, you know, talking, doing all this stuff that no... MTV Cribs of the Lodge. Nobody... Nobody cares about. Nobody wants to watch you eat. Nobody wants to see you buy your tags. They want to see you hunt. This is a hunting show. Let's hunt. But to make a whole show of just hunting, a television show is really hard. That's why web is so great because now we take all that fluff, all that BS, and we just we cut it all out and we just make it a hunting show. And we can only show the hunting part. We don't like now that we do mostly web. I don't film eating. I don't film any of that crap because nobody wants to see it. But there in television you have to you have to meet a certain time criteria and then you also have to work in sponsors in those time frames. So it's one of those things to where it's a it's it's a, it's a double-edged sword. You've got to have the time and you've got to work the sponsors in there. So a lot of these shows, the good ones, they'll take those times to work their sponsors in in those unimportant segments, I guess you would say. And then once they get to the hunt, they can really focus on doing a good job during the hunt. Mm -hmm. It's a trade-off, and we have to understand what that is. So that's my, I guess, my two, or my my biggest pet peeve, you know, right now. Um, But I don't know. I mean, you've noticed this more and more the more you get into this, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. 
I've definitely noticed just having to having to get shots or having to make sure that this is this way or that you don't get shots of this and you do get shots of this and it needs to be used a certain way. And Like something you had to do today, you had to do a 15-second tease. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had to do a 15-second tease for an episode um, and I couldn't have dead animals, dead animals or, 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 weapons, or in weapons in it. And I literally laughed. I literally laughed out loud because I was like, how am I supposed to tease a hunting show and not show a dead animal or a weapon because yeah. that's the whole point that's what people <laughs> want yeah. to see yeah they're not why this is a, a nature documentary people yeah. want to see something die mm-hmm. um and or that's, they want to know something died in order to watch it well and i mean if you think about it the climax of all most hunting shows is the death of the animal that you're mm-hmm. pursuing yeah. so that's what you're trying to tease people and be like hey if you watch this Something will die. Like, look at this buck. The tease is, hey, there's this buck. Is he going to die? Probably. He's probably going to die. If you see a tease and there's an animal in there, the animal's probably going to die. <laughs> um, just, you know, in case they ever, like, do a cliffhanger where the guy's, like, drawn back and you see the animal and it goes, boom, fade to black with with a shot. The animal's probably dead. I'm sorry. It's probably going <laughs> to, if that ruins not the to, suspense. Not to burst your bubble. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and I was like, I don't, I don't really know what to, First of all, 15 seconds, that's like two shots. 15 seconds is two shots. Uh, so what are you going to tease in 15 seconds? And then what are you going to tease in 15 seconds without showing an animal get shot? Or with at least a weapon to show that they are shooting something. Yeah. So I was like, I don't. I guess we'll just throw some cool shots of animals together and call it good. Pretty much. But And all this goes back to... Well, what Ryer just said about the 15 seconds with no animal, no dead animals and no weapons is you can't promote things on social media if they have weapons and dead animals in them. It goes against community guidelines. Which we found out on TikTok. Yeah, which is another, just another obstacle that we have to, or another hurdle we have to jump over to do anything. So, I mean, and to go back to what I was saying about the industry being 10 years behind, there's a reason that the industry is 10 years behind. The viewers that are still watching television, the people that are buying and spending money, are getting older. Um, they are older. And those are the people that are spending the most money. The, the 18 to 35s, you know, they're not spending the money yet on outfitters and trips and big hunts. So those are the guys that are on the YouTube, that are on the do-it-yourselfers, that are on the, the, you know, the, the public land turkey hunt, the public land elk hunt, those, those, that's the content that they want. That's who it's being catered to, whereas the TV is still catered to the older audience. For the most part, there are exceptions. Um, the other reason that they're 10 years behind is because of the marketing people. A lot of these companies that have marketing directors, these guys have been around for 100 years, and they don't know how to do it anywhere else. The opposite of that is they're hiring guys or girls right out of college that, in my dad's words, don't know bear crap from apple butter, and they are paying them $35,000 a year to be the marketing director for a multi-million dollar company. Makes zero sense. And if somebody pays is paid $35,000 a year, how much stock are we going to put in their opinion on changing the status quo of what's been going on forever? You right. know? If something, if we've been doing this thing this way for this long, why why should we change it? And why should we listen to somebody that makes thirty five thousand dollars a year tell us different? That's a marketing director for a multi million dollar company. It just doesn't make sense. I also think that I think that maybe they. I don't know if it's necessarily that they aren't that they're out of touch, or if they don't want to be in touch. But to to go back to like the blue stem stuff for me is everything that we showed there was something that happened, something that somebody said, and something that is very normal. I mean, you... It was actually probably when, toned down for video. Well, yeah, and I when we say, like, there was some stuff in there that was offensive, I assure you, whatever you were thinking, it was probably not that. Mm-hmm. It was very mild. It was... It was you know, just just enough. It's regular things that go on every You've day. You've seen worse things than that on social media today, I guarantee. 100%. And 
So when so to have somebody come back and say we can't show that and it's distasteful and things like that to me is confusing because you go okay but do you or or better worded is you know that's not the image that we're trying to portray and so then you think okay well you're talking to the marketing director the marketing director's job is to figure out how to best market their product to the people that will buy that product. And then you think about, okay, who's buying this product? The people buying that product are going on these hunts and saying these things and doing these things every day. That's how they live their life. And so to me, it's a little confusing why you would ignore that and be like, well, we're going to market this to not be offensive to any of the people who don't buy our stuff. Um, and at the same time, unrelatable to our actual market of people who want to buy our stuff and who, if you put it out the way that it was, I think, and I know this is very tailored to this project, and that's because it still hurts me deep inside. <laughs> me too, buddy. It hurts the soul that I don't have. Um, <laughs> so to me, it's like if you were to put this out, I think you would, you would have all these people come out of the woodworks and go, holy crap, something that this actually looks like what I do. Like, I can yeah. relate to this. These guys do what I do. They say what I do. They think the same things that I do. They but, live their life how I live my life. So I want to support the brands that are connected to that. But instead of doing that, we go, well, you know, the PETA folks might be angry if they say this. So and I want to say that. And I think... And I think it would push some people away. Don't get me wrong. I think 100%. what we were yeah. going to do would have pushed some people off and turned some people off. But I think the people that would have brought in would have well overshadowed the people that it pushed away. Well, um, I think I just think feel like there's I, a disconnect well, between. I know. I think I think I think people assume, which I've said this before, so I guess I'm one of them. People assume, or marketing people assume that the viewers are are dumb, and they don't know that we're that they don't know that we are essentially shielding them from what's real. You know, mm-hmm. that they're naive to the fact that, you know what? People might say bad words. People might say something distasteful. People might be real. And you know what? That's okay. Mm-hmm. But we can't show that. We can't ever let somebody know that's what's really happening. Right. We can't let somebody associate that with our brand. Because we're all perfect Christian people that never say a bad word, that have never broken a law, never doing that. That's bullcrap. And everybody knows it's bullcrap. But everybody's still towing that line, and they won't give it up. There's going to be somebody that does, and that's going to be the shining example in this outdoor space, in my opinion. I want to be on that bandwagon when it happens. Once it happens, there's going to be... I mean, like you said, it's 10 years behind, and so we've seen this happen in other industries and across the board where companies we'll have we, you've had companies that go look we're going to not do the regular company thing we'll we're going to go 100 percent the opposite direction mm-hmm. and do all the things that you're not supposed to do marketing wise and they develop giant cult followings of people who associate their brand with the lifestyle you're wearing and your hat man black rifle did it black the, rifle black rifle Took, Hit Viper sunglasses. Well, Black Rifle took Starbucks and said, we're going to do everything they won't do. They're going to be left-wing, you know, liberal, you know, don't hurt anybody's feelings. Let's make sure we use paper straws. Let's save the whales. Black Rifle's like, no. Guns. Guns. Attractive um, women. Attractive half-naked women in America. And if you don't like it, then Offensive don't things. then don't buy our freaking coffee. And you would not believe the amount of people that I have ran into in virtually every state in the last two years that I'm wearing something black rifle and they're like, Man, love that company, love that coffee. You know what? Those look like really upstanding Americans that you know what, they're not offended by somebody saying a couple bad words mm-hmm. and seeing some breasts put in their face every now and again. I'm not offended by that. I'm not offended by that. I'm not either. 
So it's one of those things to where <laughs> when when are we going to stop tiptoeing around? But and we're getting off subject that of of what we're trying to talk about, which is we'll get there. The, the yeah, the subtle <laughs> art of sponsor love, which is extremely hard to do. And I'm going to go into a couple of I'm going to go into a couple of examples of. Well, I need to go back to because I didn't finish my thought on the marketing people because I know, I know Mike Hearn's on here and he's got a marketing degree and he's worried he's not going to get paid for his marketing degree. And if you want to work in the outdoor industry, buddy, best of luck to you. Um, you know, I'm not saying that they're not out there, but there's so many of these marketing companies that get these guys right out of college that don't know what they're doing, pay them nothing. A CMO position is supposed to be a high-ranking position. It's supposed to be a prestigious position. It's supposed to be a well-paid position. It just doesn't, this is not happening in our industry. I'm sure there's some exceptions to that rule. I haven't found them. And the biggest thing, the reason that our industry is still so far behind is nobody can trust the numbers. If it's not on web, nobody can trust the numbers. And that's what's killing everybody. So the next big thing that's attributing to all this is budgets. People's budgets are getting cut daily. Um, there's a smaller and smaller pool to, pool of companies to pull from. Think about this hunting shows. I did the numbers. This was probably three years ago. There was 700 some odd network television shows between Pursuit, Outdoor, and Sportsman. 700 hunting yeah, shows. I remember I watched the, the, the intro of the trailer to the Nameless series, yeah, and you yeah. dropped that number, and I was pretty flabbergasted. Yeah, and that's just those three. That's not counting web. That's not counting, you know, Carbon TV, YouTube, you know, all those. I would say there's well over a thousand. And those thousand shows to make money have to go over the out go after the same sponsors that are in that room at ATA show, that are in that room at Shaw Show. There's not that many companies. And out of all of those ones that are in the room, how many have budgets to actually give money to yeah. people? Well, this the, I bet the question that I got the most is like, which shows are really making money? And that's a really easy question to answer. If you still watch Outdoor Channel or you still watch Pursuit or Sportsman, and if you watch the show and during the commercials, you see the show hosts in their commercial, they're making money. They're making a living doing the show. If you don't see them in their commercials, they're struggling or losing their butt every time they go out on the field. But there's also a couple different kinds of shows, and I've talked about this before. There's shows that are out there to make money, to be a business. That's your Lee and Tiffany's, your Bone Collectors, um, your Head Hunters, your Red Arrows. Those shows are successful. They make money, and they're profitable. That's the only job those people have. Then you've got shows like Mossy Oaks Hunting the Country, um, you know, Real Trees Monster Bucks. Um, Primo's Truth About Whitetails, those shows aren't designed to make money. Those des- those shows are designed to be marketing arms for those brands. So it doesn't matter if they make money. They're essentially an expense to the business. They're marketing. Mm-hmm. Then you've got shows like your Swarovski Optics Quest, um, your, um, oh man, there's a couple of them. I'd have to really think. But then you've got these big brand shows that are marketing budgets. It's kind of the same thing. And then you've got a large percentage of shows that are owned by rich guys that want to see themselves hunting. That it doesn't matter if they make money or a tax write-off. Then you've got your shows that are just barely breaking even. That are just making enough money to pay for some hunts and to pay the bills. And they're happy. There's a lot of those. Um, but the majority of the shows are going to be there for two or three years. Then they're going to die. It's just the nature of the beast. So... The reason that is is because budgets suck and everybody's going after the same sponsor pool and there's only so much to go around. And the top 10 shows, the top 10% are taking 90% of the money. It's just like every other industry. You know, if you're not in the, you know, survival of the fittest, you know, the big dogs have got to, are, are making the most of the money. So how do we, how do we combat this? What can we do to change this? Well, we've got to learn from 
the big guys. We've got to learn from Red Bull. We've got to learn from Apple. We've got to learn from Yeti. We've got to learn from Patagonia. We've got to learn from companies that understand the North Faces. We've got to under they, that these companies understand one simple concept, which is perception is reality. And perception is reality is not that hard to understand. So Apple, perfect example. Both of us are using Apple computers. There's two more in the other room. Both of us have iPhones. They make a great product. And I'm an Apple guy to through and through, and it's because of the user interface and a lot of different reasons. But at their core, and just to, just to function, and in terms of cost, there's Android phones, there's Google phones, there's other phones, and there's other computers and other laptops that will virtually do the same thing, way less expensive. Why do we buy Apple products? Well, we have a reason on the professional side, but why does the average consumer go and buy an iPhone over a much cheaper version that will do the same thing? They look nice. They look nice. And they're like, and Apple has told us through their marketing that unless you have an iPhone, AirPods, an I, you know, an iPad, and a MacBook, you're not cool. And that perception that they've created, not by making sure they shove that thing in your face, not by making sure we see the logo placement, making sure we see that person holding that phone and using that phone. They've created this perception. Yeti has done a great job. Red Bull, in my opinion, does the best job of creating a perception that if you do not drink Red Bull, if you do not buy Apple, if you do not own a Yeti cooler, you're not cool. Because you go to that that party and your buddies have their Yeti cooler and their iPhones and you don't, dude, you're a loser, man. That's the perception they've created. Well, I, I mean, I watched a... I watched a Red Bull documentary. It was probably an hour long. I saw. I mean, it was a it was a motorcycle racing documentary. So obviously there was a Red Bull on the motorcycle, like a Red Bull logo, mm-hmm. uh, or on his helmet or something like but that. But did they make but sure they framed that up real nice? No, I mean, I saw him drink a Red Bull maybe one time, and it wasn't like he was like I'm drinking Red Bull. It was he. They just got a shot, and he was drinking a Red Bull in it, mm-hmm. like anybody would be doing. Yeah. Well, my, my biggest one is Red Bull did a couple years ago. I can't remember what it was called, but it was a mountain. It was a it was a mountain bike guy, or a downhill bike guy. I don't know what it was called, but it was in the hills of Northern California, and they had this amazing course cut in the side of this gorgeous hillside, and they had a Toyota Tundra with a three-axis gimbal truck on the front. And they chased this guy through this course. It was a one-shot, no cuts. Hmm. No telling how much this thing cost. It was like five or six minutes of just some of the most epic riding and tricks and everything. And it was no cuts, just to a simple song. Dude was wearing a black T-shirt, board shorts, and a black helmet. No logos, no nothing on his bike, nothing on his shirt. And they just start this thing off, and they do this crazy loop. And they chase it with this truck that, that, I mean, couple, you know, quarter of a million dollars, million dollars to do this project. And at the end, it finishes and it's just like Red Bull films for like half a second, gone, fade to black. What did Red Bull gain by that? Because that now, that now, but how would that have been done? Okay, three so three years later, okay, you say I saw a Red Bull film. Yeah, yeah. And that's I what associ- that's what it is, and I associate awesome with Red Bull. Right. That perception of that dude's awesome, Red Bull had something to do with that. But how would that have been done if it was for the hunting world? Well, he wouldn't have been wearing black shorts and a black shirt, and he probably would have been on somebody else's bike, and he would have had on gloves and maybe different shocks, and uh, there would have been stickers everywhere about different brands yeah. that wanted their hand in the project. There would have definitely All, been shirt some would have had, would have been at least branded. Um, and you would have had to make sure that all of the brands work together and that none of them are in conflict. And then it probably would have had to start out with him saying what they were doing and that he was riding this bike and that why he chose that bike and 
why he chose this location and who all the people that helped get all these things lined up. And then he would do it, and there'd there probably be a there bunch would, of shots of all the different stuff. There would definitely been some voiceover in there somewhere. Hundred <laughs> percent. And then he would have done the thing, and it probably would have been cool. It would have never been done in one shot because nobody would have ever had the budget for the to rent that three axis gimbal. No, maybe someday. Maybe it would have been done terribly. It wouldn't have had that good of a song. Uh, and it would have been done to a lot of jump cuts. <laughs> I thought we were talking about sponsors, not so, style. So what but then s- at the end, he would have been like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that I got to have this experience, and I wouldn't have been able to do it without my Red Bull and yeah. my uh, Rock Shocks and my... My Hoyt, my Hoyt bike frame or whatever. The new, the new 2020 Hoyt bike frame. Yeah. So, essentially, you know, you know exactly what we're saying. That film that Red Bull did, as simple and as elegant and as beautiful and as impactful as it was, that still resonates to me that I watched it probably four or five years ago, and how that would have looked if it would have been done in the hunting industry in order to get it paid for. It wouldn't have happened. Well, and I and, and if, I know we can't compare apples to apples. Okay, you're saying, okay, well, Red Bull's a multi-billion dollar company and, you know, uh, you know Hoyt or Rage or somebody's not. doesn't matter. There are... So many more ways, so many other creative ways that these companies could spend money that would give them way more bang for their buck, give them a much better PR look that would really move the needle. And there's a lot of companies and shows that they could pull their money from and make the money that they have left over go a lot further. Um I've always I've always joked with the fact that I'm going to be a marketing director for one of these companies one day because I want to see what they really do because I don't know <laughs> what they do. I mean I'm still try, I'm still trying to figure it out because um, I, I know some numbers of some people that work for companies and I'm like no wonder their marketing sucks so bad because I mean what else are they going to do what else what can they do with that budget. To take on that much workload, to have that little of a budget, I mean, what, what, what can they do? There's nothing they can do. So, I also think to add to the to your illustration of the Red Bull uh, piece, there, they didn't make that guy be, do, or look anything other than how he was. Yeah, dude was allowed to be what he was mm-hmm. and ride the bike he wanted to ride, wear the clothes he wanted to wear. If he wanted to talk, he could have talked how he wanted to talk. And I think that's important because if that guy in there said something about something, people would be like, oh, dude, probably that's what, that is his opinion. He didn't get paid for that opinion. Yeah. And it adds that much more validity to whatever he said, he just said. I guarantee you, if you watch that and you went through the comment section, there's probably tons of people asking questions about his bike setup or, what he thinks about this or what he thinks about that. Mm -hmm. And you don't get that level of authenticity if you make it seem like the person has to hawk out a product. Yeah, well. And they're not allowed to be who they are. I I know I've I've kind of went on down a rabbit hole and I kind of got on a rant on some of this because a lot of this really frustrates me. And it doesn't seem like it's changing, but it is changing. And it is changing for the better a little bit. But the only reason it's changing is because of social media and the ad in the, in the uptick of, of web and online versions of content, and that's good and bad. Um, it's bad for us because of how short the timeline is now. Um, we have a lot of work, but the time the timeline has shrunk so much. We have so much to get done in such a short amount of time, and that hurts us on the quality. Um, people want more quantity, less quality. Uh, and that's really hard for us to put our name on something that way, but it is what it is. But there's some there's some really good content coming out. There's some really good films that are being done. Um, we're working on trying to do something for a film festival that probably won't have any sponsor support just because that's the only way we're going to be able to do something the way that we want to do it. So uh, I hope that I hope I mean I hope that helped on on trying to kind of paint the picture of how you can do a good job working for sponsors, but not put yourself in the category of 
I'm not watching this anymore because it's just like just like everything else. Because I've said that, I've had that thought so many times. Like, look, I can't watch this because it's it's a sponsor whore out the entire show, and most of them are. And the only shows that I watch, um, which I don't really watch any television shows anymore. I, I need to just because I need to kind of keep up with the Joneses type thing and see what everybody's doing. But there are there are ways to do it correctly, and there's ways to do it incorrectly. And if you have to do it incorrectly, it better be because the sponsor's telling you to, not because you made the choice. Um, I think that's it. I mean, that's pretty much all I got. I mean, I can't really uh, dive down, I dove down too many rabbit holes as it is. <laughs> I think that, <clears throat> I think that the takeaway from this is the reality of the industry is that. You will, if you're trying to make money at it or you're trying to at least break even or whatever it is, right now, unless you do something revolutionary, you're going to need to know how to play the sponsor game. Um, but at the same time, I think that you definitely want to be aware of how you're playing that game and the perception of that game to your viewers and when you're making choices behind the camera, when you're making choices in the editing process um, to fulfill the obligations that you have to your sponsors, uh, you want to keep in mind how it looks and what message it's getting across to your viewers and do the best that you can to make it as natural as possible. Um, you don't always have as much control over that as you'd like to. Sometimes you're just going to have to do a shot yeah. and you're going to have to shove it in there. You're going to have to shove the square peg in the round hole and it's not natural and you don't want to do it and it looks ridiculous, but that's what's going to get you paid and yeah. so that's what you're going to have to do. And so you have to accept that to a certain extent. But when you have the ability to go, hey, you know what? I don't need to have... I don't need to have this product blatantly in 5,000 shots. I don't need to say the product name. I don't need to do this, that, or the other. I'll get shots of this product while it's being used as naturally as possible and put them places where they make sense. And be conscious about doing that. I mean, make sure that you get the product in there. But be more conscious about trying to do it naturally. And I think that would be the practical yeah. takeaway from this. Well, and there's two ways of doing that. The the two ways of doing it more naturally is watch something that's outside the hunting industry and see how they do it. See how they subtly work in products and and things like that into a a big network show that has a real budget. Um so that's one way. The second way is have less sponsors. And what do I mean by that is I would rather, say you were to give me a budget of $100,000 for one project and it only has four sponsors. Or you're going to give me a budget of $200,000, but it was going to have 20 sponsors. I'll take that $100,000 project all day. Because if I only have four masters to work for, I can still make a better product than I can when I have 20 different people that I have to adhere to. Some of these shows that have 40 and 50 and 60 sponsors, I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they stay around. I know their sponsor turnover is crazy. Um, there's ways of doing it subtly. You just got to do your due diligence of finding out how and what that is. Good? If you like the podcast, make sure to go on, like and subscribe, give us a comment and review um we're trying to do all these live we're going to have a couple of guests on soon i've got another podcast that we're going to do next week that is going to be five things that will make your hunt hunting filming better um and we're actually probably going to take all of our podcasts up up to virginia see if we can get kip on a podcast because he's been around forever and he knows exactly what we're talking about with all of this he's an og he is og um but uh he ha- I'm wearing a shirt yeah. today. He has such a cool perspective on. He's found the niche in the sponsor world of making really funny segment spots, yeah, which I, nobody else really does. I remember when I when I first 
when I saw on the calendar that I had um, a red arrow shoot, uh, and I went and looked at like just his Instagram and stuff like that, and I saw the commercials, and then like a bell rung in my head. I was like, oh, I I know I remember seeing this in all these commercials before, and I went and looked on the Instagram and the YouTube because I'm a nerd, and I I went and looked at the viewership numbers of those. And it was the first time ever that I had done that where I saw uh, more views and engagement on commercials than on uh, dead animal pictures. Yeah. Usually if I go onto an account, I will see the highest engagement numbers on a dead animal picture, a trophy shot. And that's almost without exception. Certainly I never, ever see... The sponsor posts have the same amount of interaction. Yeah. Unless there's a dead animal in there. Um, this was, a, and I remember it because I went on the trip. I said, I said, Kip, look, I looked at your numbers. You're the only person I've ever seen whose commercials have higher numbers than his kill, kill shots. And mm-hmm. I said, that says a lot about how much people love yeah. your commercials. And the reason people love his commercials is because he, does them in a way that is funny and authentic yep. and makes them enjoyable to watch. They're not just a, uh, you know, it's not just a, hey, uh, you know, buy Coca-Cola products because they're refreshing. It's a, it, it's an, it's fun to watch them. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. So uh, we might try and get him roped into a podcast when we're up there if we have time. But uh, I think what we do now is we end the podcast and then we stay on and do a couple live questions if anybody's got any. Oh, did you guys hear that? Who are only listening on the podcast? You're missing out. Yeah. You're missing out on quality time with your two hosts. Mm-hmm. This is a very intimate time we're about to have with our YouTube. Can we not use the word thing? intimate? I don't like that word. <laughs> you don't like the word intimate? No, not not in this context. You guys don't. Well, now that you said that, I'm just going to have to use the word intimate <sighs> all the time. All right. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Peace. Peace.